It's surprising in my surroundings I'm finding the quietest estates these days This representation of storm brewing Amazed that the focus remains The vocal focal point of my change Hello and welcome to the Rambling Runner Podcast I'm your host, Matt Chittam And this is the podcast for all the dedicated amateur runners out there Who are working hard to get better While balancing running with the rest of their lives So excited for today's episode with Kimberly McBride A returning guest who last time, as you'll hear in the beginning of our conversation came on to talk about a situation that happens to most runners but often isn't chronicled, and that is when races don't go well after a wonderful training cycle, and that happens sometimes. So she was here a couple years ago to talk about that. Uh, This year, basically her first marathon after three years details a wild health journey that puts context into maybe her previous marathon experience. Also, it's just an interesting story about going through some serious health concerns and health issues and some of the frustration that comes along with that and ultimately getting to the other side and doing so um, in a way that you know, sometimes you don't know if you're going to get there. And she just PR'd a marathon uh, after, a again, a wild three-year journey. So we're going to get into that in a second. Before we do, I want to give a shout out to a returning sponsor here on the Rambling Runner podcast, a sponsor that's been back for a couple of years and for good reason. The Allianz Partners Richmond Marathon. That's right. The Allianz Richmond Marathon. I went there last year. This thing is so awesome. It takes place in Richmond, Virginia on Saturday, November 12th. 2022 marks the 45th running of the marathon. So it's a great year to take part and to join in the celebration. Not only that, you got the CarMax Half Marathon as well as the VCU Health Richmond 8K, that's roughly five miles for people who don't know. Richmond provides phenomenal core support. This is one thing that blew me away. The core support from a fan perspective. Oh my God. The whole way through. I ran the half last year. There were fans all the way through. This is a the real deal, right? I never run any of the Abbott World Marathon majors, but when you think about that and the core support from the fans, this is exactly what I received at Richmond. It was awesome. It's unbelievable fall scenery, awesome finisher swag, and a ton, a ton of tables with, you know, different, you know, water, electrolyte mixes and and things like that. So just, it's a great course to run. There's no question about it. It's mostly flat with some rolling hills, which is kind of what I like. I like a little bit of rolling, not a lot, just to kind of work some different muscles every now and then, but it is really flat. It's really fast and has an extremely fast downhill finish. Holy cow, that was awesome. So it aims to provide a memorable experience for all participants. One of the top 25 Boston Marathon qualifying courses. It is America's friendliest marathon, and you should register today. RichmondMarathon.org. Not only that, if you use code RAMBLINGRUNNER, you save $10 on no matter which race you sign up for, the marathon, the half, or the AK. Again, go to RichmondMarathon.org and use code RAMBLINGRUNNER today to save $10 off your price, again, of any of the three races. Now, let's get into it with Kimberly McBride. All right, Kim McBride is back. I am so excited to have you back on the show, Kim. <laughs> Thanks, Matt. I'm super excited to be here. All right. So first of all, before you get into it, we got a lot to talk about. This is going to be a fun conversation. All of our conversations always are. We're also going to dive into some serious stuff as well. But before we do, let's let's tell the people what you did last weekend because this is this is like high quality stuff. Well, uh, I went out to Washington and ran the Jack and Jill's Marathon. And got a huge PR, um, a 10-minute PR, and had a great time. Uh, it was super hot. They had a heat wave. 
Um, so I kind of made some adjustments mentally to my time goals. Um, but I went out there and surprised myself. I didn't look at my watch hardly at all and just went off a of fill and came away with a big PR and it feels really good. I can imagine. That is super exciting. I mean, how could it not be? And you were not rolling solo. Who are you going with? Um, okay. So I was out there with Lindsay McSwain, um, and her, a good friend of hers named Kim. And then, uh, Ashley and Katie, two fit fab chicks, um, on Instagram, that's their handle. They came out from Boston and Georgia and Shelby, I can't think of her handle right this second, but she lives in Washington. She came up for the half marathon. So many people like you know, it was funny. I was looking at your photos from race weekend and I know this doesn't like this isn't great. This isn't great audio talking about pictures that we've seen. However, it's like I knew all I knew feel like I knew all of these people in your pictures like this is like this is great. It's like this whole weekend away doing the race. And, and, and um, we just say Lindsay McSwain has been on the podcast before and she's such a fun person to be around. So would you have those kind of like group weekends? for a race obviously you're there to like you want to go kick butt right you're there you're traveling for a race you want to have the best race experience possible what's it like traveling with people though because you also like it's also kind of a social event but kind of like a mini business trip like how do you manage the two? <laughs> oh man i don't know um it's different every time especially when we're meeting up with out of state versus tra just you know meeting at the airport and traveling out together um i do that a lot with amber running with moxie um but honestly, it's just fun. We just meet up, have a good time and, you know, don't take things too seriously. It kind of helps me not overthink the marathon or the race that we're doing kind of helps distract a little bit off of that and just, you know, kind of loosen up a bit. So just makes it more fun. I love that. And we should say Amber was one of the first 10 people ever on the show. Yes. Going way she's back. Awesome. She's an OG. Yep. Um, <laughs> yeah. It's funny because like I've had those weekends, which are a little different because I wasn't traveling with people. But like, say I was traveling out to a race and like, hey, I'm like doing some live shows. I have had some experiences where like I would, would be the starting line. And I'm like, oh, my God, I think I like. I'm mentally zapped right now yeah. because I spent so much time like having a great time. Like I wasn't like I wasn't like drinking or anything, but like I was like just tired just right, from the, the right. mental funness of it all. I was like all of a sudden race morning. I'm like, uh oh, yeah, I think I, I think I left my race legs on Friday. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's so much fun. I will say that I also do enjoy times when I travel out to races by myself. Um, I don't race a lot locally. So a lot of times I feel like I'm traveling for races and the times that I do go out on my own, um, it is nice to not have to put that mental focus, um, you know, in other directions, but you know, it's nice also to have the opposite effect sometimes just to have fun and lighten everything up. No, absolutely. I mean, you, and you're used to a lot of noise, right? You got a whole oh, brood at home. So you got to so you're this is, this <laughs> yeah. is nothing new. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> this is just people I actually want to be around. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I'm just kidding. <laughs> All the parents rejoice. Yes. Thank you. Yes. Uh, <laughs> um, all right. So we should, last time you were on the podcast, it was a conversation a lot of people really enjoyed, not only because you're a fun person to to hear from and talk to and listen to, but also because we had we were talking about a topic that um, I think we we runners talk amongst each other about, but isn't really on the podcast a lot, especially mine or some even most podcasts, frankly. And that is you had a race you trained really well for. You had a really good buildup. And just like this one, you had pretty high hopes going into the race and let's do it. And then you didn't have the race 
that you wanted. And that's super frustrating. And it, it has you like second guessing everything. It, it can send you in, in quite a tailspin. And, and you were gracious enough to come on the podcast and talk about it. And I know a lot of people really took so much from that episode because they could relate to it. I mean, who can't relate to that experience, right? Every runner has had that kind of experience, but usually we don't hear from them on the podcast directly afterwards. Usually we hear from the, like the one we're having today, the, hey, we got a PR, it's great. And those are those are fun as well. We kind of get to hit this from both sides because Kimberly, I'm going to kind of let you go off here a little bit to kind of give us some of the lowdown. But after that race, I know that you've had some 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 clarity I think delayed clarity from maybe what had happened and what happened after that race in terms of your health and what has kind of happened since then. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, yeah, that it's been a really weird (laughs) few years. Uh, that race was definitely hard for me to digest. I really worked super, super hard. All of my workouts were, uh, faster than my goal paces. Um, I didn't really feel like I had B and C goals for that race. I just knew I was going to go out there and crush it and, um, started out feeling terrible. My heart rate was super high. Um, just, uh, felt really sick. I was feeling sick even leading into the race day. Um, but I walked away from that super disappointed and really down on myself, really frustrated, frankly, um, that I had put so much time and effort and emphasis and, and hope into this one day. And it was a complete failure, um, in my eyes at that time. And, you know, kind of after that, um, just over the course of the next year, I just had a lot of health issues that I was dealing with. Um, a lot of, you know, pain in my abdomen and things like that. Um, so, you know, I really tried to dive in and get some answers, went and saw some specialists and, and I did start getting a few answers. Um, to maybe what was going on, but, uh, it wasn't super helpful at the time. And it's been still continues to be a journey. Um, but you know, that experience, um, kind of led me, I feel like to more of an appreciation to the opportunity that running is when it does feel good. And, um, yeah, I guess in the years since then, uh, running hasn't really felt super great very much of the time, but I'm at a point right now that running does feel good. My body does feel good. And, um, it just makes me super grateful for every opportunity that I have to run. So in the, the months and in the year after that experience and things aren't going well, um, did you tell me about those moments where like you mentioned before, how like you were, it sounded like you were hard on yourself, not just like, hey, I'm not quite healthy and this is frustrating. It sounded like you were a little hard on yourself after that that race and that experience. Can you just walk me through some of those emotions in terms of what you were feeling and, and why that was something that was beyond just a I'm not feeling great, but kind of that 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 the personal nature of um of what you were feeling? Yeah, I mean, I think we all deal with that after a failed workout or whatnot, right? We, maybe we start a workout and we're doing it in the middle of the heat. Um, but you know, even though we know we should adjust our paces or even though we know we, you know, shouldn't be running quite as fast or quite as hard as, as we want to, sometimes we still go out there and we have those expectations of ourselves and we give 100%. And a lot of times those don't work out. They end up kind of a failure. And then you know, instead of us looking logically at why that didn't work out, um, we just kind of get down on ourselves. We get frustrated and, um, 
kind of beat ourselves up. And, you know, so for me, it was a lot of that inner, um, those inner conversations of, you know, you're just not worthy. Like, why are you even trying? Why are you even attempting these things? You thought that you were fit. You're not, you're clearly not. And, um, you know, kind of taking the logic out of the situation and filling my head with so much negativity during that time is really the zone that I put myself in for a couple of months, just a lot of negative self-talk. And, um, you know, I'm really disappointed as I look back during, you know, during that phase to say that it, you know, I don't think any of us deserve to talk to ourselves or anyone else like that. And, um, and, you know, it took me quite a long time to kind of heal after that and to kind of reverse that talk to start being a positive talk and to start being more honest with myself again and saying, Hey, you are fit. You are improving. You are doing all the right things just because of this one day. It didn't go the way that you planned that that doesn't show where your fitness is and you don't need to base your self-worth or your value or your running um, off of one day. So it's tough. Yeah. And it's like in that situation, it's it's not even like about like the fitness, right? It's about like all of like the mental energy that goes into it. Like, you know, you spend all the time, like the time element, right? Like we're, we're, we're both parents. Like you're like, all right, I'm spending all this time on this hobby. And then I feel like a failure. So like, am I, who else am I failing here? Because I do, I'm doing all these things and then it doesn't work out. And like, it, it, it feels like it can snowball or to mix metaphors. Like you just like, like you're like circling the drain. Like it's like constantly coming around and it can just be so hard to get out of that cycle, right. Or out of that avalanche. So what were some of the things or who were some of the people uh, or I guess, or both that helped you kind of get out of that experience where you're able to, you know, speak the way, speak to yourself, the way you probably were speaking to others and the way you taught, you know, teach your kids to speak to other people. Yeah. Um, that's a great question. I think a lot of it started when I, uh, really just took a break from running a lot because I just didn't feel good. Um, and then when I started coming back to running and, and, uh, being around people who enjoy running, it kind of helped me catch that bug again and have that perspective of this is something I enjoy. This is a blessing to have in my life. And I want to take the good out of this this sport. I don't want to fill my my mind with the negativity of failure. Um, this is just an opportunity for me to show up and to progress. Um, I'm not looking for perfection. I I learned from that experience and other experiences that perfection, it's not, you know, awesome when the stars align. That is so phenomenal. But for the majority of us, most of the time, that's not the case. And when it is the case, awesome. Soak it up and just bask in it. Um, but progress is what we're looking for. We're just looking to do something that we love, enjoy, and that we can progress over time with. Um, so I did have, um, you know, Amber, uh, my good friend, she was a really big help, not only through that time, but really throughout the years, just to continually give me that perspective of the purpose of running and the joy that it can bring, um, meeting up with friends. Uh, getting to know new people, having good conversations, and just enjoying enjoying being outside. Absolutely. And how were you able to alter how you thought about 
you know, your your goals and your progress in the light of this whole idea of self-care, especially when maybe things like weren't progressing the way you wanted or you have some of those off days or you didn't feel great on the run or or what have you. How did you start to shape again how again, I, I think about, you know, this is kind of like I'm now I'm now veering off the course of my question, but like I, you have such kind words for everybody else. Like seeing you comment uh, to other people and the, the, the discourse you have with other people, you're like one of the kindest people I know. So hearing you talk about like your, how your self-talk was not great, like, you know, it's kind of heartbreaking. So how did you start to reframe that, especially when things aren't going well, when it can be so easy to be negative? Oh, I don't even know, Matt. That's tough. Um you know, I'm not going to lie. It's just after that experience. And, um, you know, I did do Phoenix marathon shortly after that and was able to have a good experience, got a PR there. Uh, but right after that happened, I kind of went deep into a hole, um, you know, just with a bunch of different health things hitting all at once and, um, just really struggled feeling good. And when you don't feel good, it's really hard to be in a good headspace, to be honest. Um, and, you know, but I, I think just that, uh, continuous hope and, you know, that hope for progress and hope for getting better and, and just trying to find the good in running and find the good in, in my own headspace and trying to, to find the wins within my runs, um, is really what, what helps me want to keep coming back. And, you know, I think we always yearn for more. We always have, uh, it's in our nature to have goals. And so even when it wasn't easy for me to, to say, Hey, you're doing great. You're in a really good space right now. You're killing your workouts. Um, but really just to know, Hey, there's goals here. We can work towards this. We can, we can progress from here. How do you feel great on vacation? Like really good, easy. You go to Aruba You'll spend your time relaxing on cool white sand beaches and floating in healing blue water. You'll immerse yourself in natural wonder and find your center on an island where things move at your speed. You won't just feel great. You'll feel relaxed, renewed, and ready for life. That's the Aruba Effect. Plan your trip at aruba.com. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. Absolutely. All right. Let's talk about progression, not from a running perspective right now, but from a health perspective, right? You, you did, you've alluded to how like it was really a tough, a tough year for you from a health perspective. Can you give us some more detail on exactly what you went through and how and why things started to change? Yeah. So that year, um, after that marathon, I went in and uh, kind of got some, let's see, talked to some specialists about my liver. We found a liver tumor. Uh, we found some other, you know, issues with my iron and ferritin and, you know, got hereditary hemochromatosis um, diagnosis and, you know, just kind of figuring out some little here's and there's about my health that really explained a lot of why I wasn't feeling good. Um, and, you know, 
after that kind of had a very short phase, a few months where I was able to kind of manage things enough to, to be able to get in a marathon training, um, and ran another marathon. But then after that, I ended up getting a parasite and that was in 2019. And that lasted up until March of this year. And so from that point, that three years, um, with the parasite within that time frame, I also got mono. Um, and then after I got mono, I got something called SIBO, which is a bacterial infection in my small intestine. Um, and I mean, it just <laughs> felt like this constant wham, you're down. Wham, you were you're like, down. The, you're like, you're the, you hear these stories, people go on WebMD and they're like, oh, I have everything. <laughs> like you were like the, you end up being like the embodiment, like the personification of it. Like it actually happened to you. Oh man, Matt, it's a hot mess. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's interesting now to see, um, you know, the progression of things that how one thing kind of compromised my immune system, which led to another thing. And led to another thing. Um, but basically we've just been trying to play catch up this whole time. Me and my doctors and specialists trying to figure out, you know, what's going on. We'll find something, take care of it. And then, you know, something else pops up, but the parasite we didn't find for three years. And I think that was really, uh, kind of the cause of a lot of my more recent health issues with, uh, pretty major fatigue and exhaustion and things like that. So, um, yeah, oh I mean, it's gosh. just been a hot mess, but <laughs> basically, um, now I don't even remember your original question, how we got yeah, here. Yeah, that's right. You hit it. You hit it. Uh, it really wasn't a question. It was more basically me saying that, like, you are oh, the embodiment yeah. of the person who goes on WebMD and then self, <laughs> and self like, diagnoses them with, with everything. Um, yeah. So do, can, can they go back and say, like, how you got the parasite or, like, how that even, like, came into your system? Or is it, like, after three years, it's just kind of like, who knows? We'll just kind of figure it out. Yeah, I mean, at this point, it's really a who knows. However, right after uh, I ran um, Phoenix Marathon in February, uh, that summer, we went to, or was it the fall before? Regardless, somewhere in that time frame, um, I hiked the Narrows in Zion's National Park. And we we were using the filters, you know, with our water. But I'm pretty sure that that's where I got um, the parasite. This type of parasite is found in that type of water. Um, and the funny thing is, is we actually got video recording at the end of our trip, uh, of a parasite. We actually found, saw some par a parasite in a little pool of water and we took pictures. We looked it up. It was this like long, it just looked like a long white string and we were, you know, kind of touching it anyways. So it, it was a parasite. <laughs> infested and river. i was kind of touching it oh my god what a way to end that sentence i know i'm telling you i'm so i'm pretty sure that's where i got the parasite even though we oh were using god. filtered water um, there you go i was about to know. say it must be a tainted beef thing nope yeah <laughs> <laughs> no i think it was the water <laughs> so how were the again this is three years is a long time how were they able or how did, did they look for it did they stumble across it like how was this did they end up finding it yeah. So originally we actually got some blood work done. Um, and to be honest, it, it was in my blood work. We could, there were some pretty outrageous numbers in my blood work and they didn't make sense, but my doctor felt like the numbers were so crazy, um, and unbelievable that it, it didn't make sense. So she thought it was a lab error. Um, so I went in and got retested. Those numbers were still high, but we kind of, she kind of wanted to discount it. It didn't make sense. Um, however, now three years later, 
it's uh, maybe too much information, but um, they find the parasite most effectively through stool samples. And so that's how we were able to, you know, be positive that it was a parasite, kind of find out what parasite it was. Um, and the irony, though, is that, you know, looking up and researching that parasite, the indicators that you see on the blood work were the exact indicators that were outrageous, you know, years before. So, you know. So it must have been hard. It must have been hard to to, so hard. to, to, to come home from that <laughs> appointment and be like, you knew you could have known all along. Right. You could have known yes. all along. Three um, years. <laughs> but it's fine. So so talk to me about that part. The it's fine part. Right. So that's how you. All right. So. I know you. I know like you're you kind word for everybody, and but you're also a competitive person. You also have goals, right? You got all this stuff. Again, obviously, it's nice to have some resolution. How did you get personally get past the point? This is not even running related, but I just more, <laughs> I need to know for myself because I know I'll be in this situation at some point. How were you able to get past the point of like blame and just be like, all right? I, I'm just going to move past this instead of like being like, oh, why? Why did we not solve this earlier? <laughs> I mean, it was insanely frustrating when I we clearly saw in my blood work that, you know, there were indicators for a parasite, um, you know, but I, you know, it is what it is. And a lot of times I just feel like, it, you know, let's just move forward. We, there's nothing we can do. It's it's in our it's not controllable for us. So we might as well just move forward from here. Okay. So after March, talk to me about health after that. And you can also kind of dovetail some of that with your training as well in terms of like, were there, were, did you still, as you mentioned, I guess you mentioned in the beginning that you're still kind of going through sync, through things. So it's not just like, hey, found the parasite, killed the parasite. Now we're in the clear. So what, at that point, what was going on with your health? What were some of the remedies and solutions that you guys were bringing to the table? And how did that affect your decision to say, hey, it's marathon time. Let's let's make it happen. Yeah. I mean, I always have the desire to have the ability to train for a marathon. And over the course of the last three years, I have attempted training multiple times, probably 10 times. I have started marathon training and I've never been able to finish it. Um, I was able to complete the virtual Boston marathon, um, which I was really grateful for. However, you know, that buildup looked completely different. Um, but you know, in March I started the treatment, it's a 12 week treatment for the parasite. And, um, you know, I, I did put in my name into the lottery for Berlin marathon and I did find out that I did get into the Berlin marathon. So I was, I knew that was coming. I was super excited about that. Um, really nervous because again, over the last three years, I've tried, I've started a marathon training multiple times and have never been able to get past about four to five weeks of training. Right. A lot of times people get nervous for a no, you get, you were nervous right. for a yes. <laughs> exactly. I really was. <laughs> so, you know, uh, but you know, March, March rolls around, I start taking the meds and two weeks into the meds, I woke up one morning and I felt phenomenal. I still remember waking up and thinking, holy cow, I don't know what's going on, but I feel like myself and I haven't felt like myself in years. Um, I thought it was just a fluke, but I soaked it up that day. I loved every moment. I had tons of energy. Um, and the next day I woke up and felt the exact same way. Um, so again, kind of felt like it was a fluke. Hadn't felt this way in years. Uh, but after a week of it, I realized this is, this is real. This is happening. Uh, this parasite was my problem. I'm 
my fatigue, my exhaustion is gone. I'm waking up with clarity, uh, energy, and I'm ready to roll. So uh, that week I started looking up marathons so that I could start training for something and uh, and started marathon training a week later for this Jack and Jill's marathon that I just finished. Um, and it's it's been glorious ever since. <laughs> I love that. I love that. And we were talking offline and, and this is a topic that is so ubiquitous now and, and rightfully so with the idea of long COVID right now. You do not have long COVID. This is not this is not an apples to apples comparison. However, there are some really obvious comparison points here. Like you were dealing with something for a long time. You couldn't put your finger on exactly what was happening. You had kind of like odd symptoms coming here and there. You had other, other things going on with your health. You mentioned the mono and the bacterial disease and other things were popping up. It's super frustrating. You can't get a handle on it. It's happening for years. So I guess I would ask you now, if someone did reach out to you and they were going through something similar from a time frame perspective and an, like an inability to like grab on to whatever's affecting them, what are some of the things that you would tell that person about not only how to deal with it in the moment, but just how to deal with it over a long period of time? Um, I would say the biggest thing, and I'm horrible at this myself, however, uh, talking to a doctor and getting all the answers that you possibly can. Um, I think that is, yes, like you said, long COVID, it's a real thing and it is affecting a lot of people, especially athletes. I feel like I'm hearing, uh, more and more people runners in particular that are dealing with long COVID. And, um, and I think the, you know, talking to doctors and getting all the resources that we can, um, is probably my biggest recommendation. Um, you know, it took me years to find this diagnosis and a lot of the reason for me was because I kept putting off going to the doctor. And frankly, it sounds horrible, but I was just too tired to do it. A lot of the time I was tired. And after I would go to my doctor and see specialists and they would say, oh, we think this is it. We think we have the answer. And then they would run tests and then they'd come back and say, "Never mind, this isn't what it is. I, it was exhausting and frustrating and it would take me months to, to reach out again. Um, however, we don't get those answers until we are able to talk to those people who can give us those answers. Um, so definitely, you know, talking to people who can help us work through that and diagnose those issues. Um, and then I think just patience and that, uh, self-care and, uh, grace for ourselves, just being patient with ourselves. And if particularly if we had COVID and we feel like we might have long COVID symptoms, um, taking a break and letting our body relax and rela and rest. Um, you know, I have learned over the last three years, every time I tried to push through things, I would end up <laughs> just sinking lower and lower into a hole. Um, you know, and it's, it's really frustrating, but if we push ourselves too hard, too much, and we don't get answers to our health problems, then we're not going to be able to progress. That's for sure. I, can, I hear the I hear the dog in the background. Oh, that cutie little dog, oh, the little, she little has toy. A toy. Oh, sorry. <laughs> That's all right. That's all right. I, I got like, a very similar dog. My heart, my heart is with that dog right now, enjoying their fun. My dog is upstairs with my wife, lying on her lap. I'm sure watching TV. Nice. Um, I wish that little rugrat was with was here, was here with me right now. Um, well, you just mentioned the whole idea of like taking time because this is where I wanted to go next. Because here you were after you know, you did the you did Phoenix, you get the PR, and then we're talking about years 
until you run another marathon. And it's not like you were just training the whole time, right? You had all of these stops and tar- starts. You mentioned it time and time again. And here you are getting to the point where you're having this huge race in the heat, setting an enormous PR. And let's talk about that gap time between these two experiences, because this is something that I know so many folks worry so much about. Like people worry about like two weeks off, right? Two weeks of not even like off, like just like two weeks of reduced training can like set people like on edge about like, what does the future hold for them? So talk to me a little bit about this in terms of, um, I guess not going like chronologically again, but more of, all right, you had that great week. You get, you're on the medicine. It's the third week. You have that it's, it's perfect. You feel like the old Kimberly McBride. She's back. She's here to stay. All right. Then you're looking for marathons, but obviously you're not like in prime time. Let's get ready to rumble marathon shape. So what was that like for you getting back into it, knowing that you maybe didn't have the the two year lead up that you ideally would have, um, but also being grateful that you can run again and kind of the juxtaposition there. Yeah. I mean, I think that, you know, what you just said there at the end was the biggest thing. Just having the ability to run again is where my heart and my mind is right now and still is after four months. Um, you know, taking that over the last three years, I was typically able to run for anywhere from two weeks to about three months before I would collapse and have to take off three to six months completely from everything. Um, and, you know, so just being able to feel good again, to be able to get out there and push my body and, you know, it is still scary. I still get nervous that I'm going to push too hard or do too much and I'm going to collapse somehow. Um, and, you know, have to take months and months off, but, um, you know, just having the gratitude to be able to be getting out there and, and doing what we love. Um, and not, you know, I think there is a lot of fear with taking time off, but, um, you know, I certainly didn't expect to come back and, and hit PRs right out of the gates like I did. Um, and it is super fun that that's been happening, but at the end of the day, uh, that's, that's not, that's not why I'm here. That's not the point anymore of my running journey. I think for a long time, I got really stuck on the numbers. I had big goals that I wanted to, to accomplish, but, um, you know, we are just so lucky to be able to be getting out there and, and pushing ourselves and, and doing things that, help us to feel good and also, you know, associate ourselves with other amazing people and to enjoy their company as well. Um, but, you know, back to your question, I guess, with like the time off and whatnot, I mean, I, I don't know, cause it is really stressful. I get it. I get it when, you know, you, I feel very similar to you, Matt, you seem to sprain your ankle on a very regular <laughs> basis. I'm, I, 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 every time I see stairs, Kimberly, now oh it's just gosh. any any kind of any kind of crack in the oh, pavement. Man. Yes. If it maybe maybe a maybe a herd of ants, I could do somehow roll my ankle on. Yeah, I hear you. Well, and I'm the exact same. I can't remember um, when it even was that you were talking about it, but uh, you were saying that you were just running along your normal gravel trail that you're always running along and you rolled your ankle. And I literally did the same thing three weeks before this marathon. <laughs> and I'm like, oh why is this happening? But you know, I get it, especially when you have a timeline, right? You have a race coming up, um, you're training and you have to take time off. It is really, really stressful. Um, so I totally get that. But at the same time, we're here to make adjustments. We got all the time in the world, right? Like, we're, you know, the race day is going to come up either way. So we're either going to show up or we're not. And if we're going to show up, 
great. We might need to make some adjustments. Um, but those things are out of our control. If we need to take time off, it's out of our control. So just making the most of it and progressing as good as we can is really all we can do. All right. Let's talk about progressing as good as we can, because you were in a awkward, awkward spot, like you mentioned, like you had had this had this repetition of training for a little bit while training for a little while and then taking an enormous amount of time off because it just wasn't working. So how did you or if you're working with a coach, how did both of you start start your training and proceed with the training in a way that would get you prepared for race day, but maybe didn't push too close to the edge that would potentially set you up for failure? Yeah. So, you know, I currently am not working with a coach. Um, I, I would love to, but I, I have, I started working with a coach in the middle of all of this parasite, you know, stuff and, um, and ended up, you know, 10 months of the year that we worked together, I wasn't running. So, you know, kind of just getting back into the not running great. scene. Kind of yeah, makes not, it an awkward not, coaching relationship. Right. It's, it's a little rough. Uh. <laughs> so, you know, just kind of coming back, getting my fillers out there, trying to see what my body's, you know, going to do. Um, I was very patient with this process. And, you know, I, with the actual marathon buildup since uh, pretty much the 1st of April, um, you know, I've been able to build up really nice mileage, uh, that I feel really comfortable with. Um, but leading into that, I started running consistently last August. So I've been able to run for almost a solid year now, um, consistently, but my miles are lower. Um, my pace is much slower. Uh, my easy days are much slower than they've ever been. All right. Let's just stop there. I'll, I'll pause you there. Yeah. So, so can you do the comparison for me? Oh yeah. So Let's see. I, uh, I guess before three years ago, I would say my easy pace was probably nine to 10 minute mile. However, I was regularly, uh, in the eight thirties to the nine thirties, um, was kind of where my easy running paces were, which is way too fast. Um, but through the parasite, uh, I had to slow my paces down to 10 minutes or slower. Uh, sometimes down uh, to 12 minute per mile paces. And, um, you know, I had to do that to sustain, you know, more than a couple of weeks of running. And now coming out of the parasite, I've actually maintained those same slow, pa slower paces for my easy runs. Um, but I've just been able to speed up my uh, workouts a little bit more. So I am running probably one and a half to three and a half minutes slower per mile on my easy days than I was before this marathon buildup. Right. It's not just that was happening last year as you're going through all this. this is right before the race. And this was the interesting part for me because tell people what your marathon pace was at Jack and Jill. Uh, let's see. I think it was a 723. So it, yeah. So we're, yeah, we're talking three minutes per mile slower than marathon pace. Uh, sometimes four and a half. Yeah. When I'm running a 12 minute mile, that's a four and a half minute time difference. Yeah, which is huge. Which I think most people would be like aghast. They'd be like, "I would oh, yeah. never do that." Right? Yes, yes. And uh, I mean, it's it. You know, I keep I watch my heart rate, and you know, I don't know that I necessarily suggest going that drastic of a difference for everyone. It's probably not right for everyone. Um, but you know, uh, track club babe Kim Kimberly. 
Um, she, uh, ran her fastest marathon a three eleven, and she ran all of her paces, all of her easy runs between a 10 and a 12 minute mile, um, during that marathon buildup. And, you know, I found a very similar success with that. Yeah. Kim, Kim is a great resource. She'd been on this podcast a lot. She now she does, I think she does a weekly, a weekly column over at women's running now oh, as well. Awesome. Yeah. I've seen it over there. Great. Uh, Kim Clark. Yeah. Um, and actually new mom, new mom, Kim Clark. She didn't say yes. new mom anymore, but yeah. you know, she yeah. had, she had her first yeah. born in last, <laughs> over the last year. Um, yeah. So this, this is important to know. So all of a sudden you're slowing down understandably. So, but continuing the slow pace, right? Cause we, one thing to be like, Hey, I started slow. Of course I'd started slow, but then I'm feeling good. I got two months in, we're hitting 40, 50 mile weeks. The workouts are coming along. All right, I'm going to pick it up, but you didn't do that. You stayed with that. So talk to me about when you started to not only feel good about testing yourself in workouts, but well, what those workouts looked like. Um, because as we'll get, you know, further along in the conversation, we'll talk about like what it looked like for you in terms of planning for race day. But so when the, the first few workouts, you know, what were you trying to do? Were you trying to get out of them and how did they look? Um, well, so to be honest, I did start the workouts back in probably last September. Um, they were much shorter workouts because I did uh, run a 5K last October around Halloween. So I was doing lots of hill workouts. I was doing really short workouts uh, to kind of prep for for that 5K, um, you know, so. So in all fairness, when I did start marathon training, I wasn't necessarily starting at square one. Um, I did have some, you know, some fitness built up. I did have some, a little bit of speed. Um, but you know, shortly after I started marathon training, summer hit, uh, here in Colorado and, and it got hot. So, um, you know, I'm not the best at adjusting paces. So a lot of times those just kind of our forced adjustments upon us when we're out there in the middle of the heat. <laughs> um, you know, so it was really probably uh, about a month and a half into marathon training that I I started adjusting workouts on my own. I would go in with the mindset of, okay, this is, I know this is the workout that I'm going to do. These are the paces. Uh, but once I stopped hitting those paces, I had to modify and I had to adjust. And, um, and as, you know, as I kind of did that, I started learning how my body feels and started trusting my body a little bit more and putting less emphasis on the exact details and paces of the workout, but more off of my effort. And so really the probably last three months, um, I've really been focusing on effort versus paces for my workouts. And I've noticed uh, a huge difference in the way that I feel after my workouts as I'm putting in the correct effort and not pushing too hard. That's great. No, that's absolutely great. And you have been, I know like you're someone who kind of comes and goes on Instagram from a running perspective, right? So like sometimes you're here, sometimes you're on it. And obviously understandably so, like if you're not running a lot and like, you're like, Hey, I post my running stuff and I don't really post family stuff. Like if you're not running, it's probably not going to be a lot on there. And that makes all the sense in the world. So, but at the same time, during this buildup, you've shown a lot of like your paces and workouts and things like that. And the Instagram stories, like highlighting this, how it went, which is for me, like, I love looking at that stuff, especially for, for people who I've, I've known for a while. And it was interesting to see that you weren't like, you saw like you were babying yourself. 
during this buildup. Like you put in some monster workouts and I was like, wow, like Kim's really going for it. And like, you were doing like, you know, a lot of work at like seven fifteen pace and like seven twenty pace. And it was like, you were, you were nailing it and you live at elevation too. So I was super impressed. I was like, Oh my God, this is really coming around, you know, rather quickly for you. When did the idea of, all right, what is my marathon pace going to be for Jack and Jill? When did that start to crystallize for you? And how did you feel about it? Because obviously running 722 pace and running a 313, a huge PR, like this is not usually the path to the PRs. It's like this crazy, the crazy, you know, few years you've been going. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I ran a half marathon at the beginning of June and it was a extreme downhill half marathon. Um, so probably after that race though, is really when I started to recognize like my fitness is better than it's ever been. Um, I'm in a really good place. I'm not feeling tired. I, this is, we're going, we're just going to keep rolling with this. Um, so I would say it was about June that I started to kind of feel that fitness and those changes taking place. Um, you know, and kind of moving from there, uh, I am doing the Hanson's marathon method for that's the, um, program that I used for this last marathon. So, um, you know, every few weeks I would stick to a specific time or time goal with my workouts. And, um, after a few weeks, if I started nailing those workouts, then I would bump up the pace, uh, you know, a few minutes for the next few weeks. Um, and you know, the numbers just kept going. I really think that taking it super, super, super easy on my easy days was probably the biggest factor other than not having a parasite. I think that was clearly <laughs> the biggest, <laughs> the running factor. biggest That's factor fair. for me That's personally, but, um, in comparing, you know, my, my fitness to previous years and trainings, um, I ran less miles, uh, than I think I've ran in the last several marathons that I've run, um, in the buildup phase. And, uh, the only difference that I can find is really just the slower, easy days. Um, but you know, it, it was super fun. It's tricky living at elevation and especially doing a race in Washington at sea level. Uh, it was tricky trying to figure out what my pacing should be. And, um, you know, as we rolled into the marathon week with the heat wave coming into Washington, it made it even more confusing. I didn't know what I should do. Um, you know, so I, I really just, honed in, trusted my body, um, and kind of let it do its thing. I had done so many workouts kind of with that mindset. Um, and also the half marathon that I did, I didn't look at my watch a single time. I just pushed, uh, 100% the whole time and, and gave it what I got and came away, you know, feeling great. Um, so I'm, I'm trying to evolve my running a little bit into, you know, not so much of a focus of paces, um, but more focus on effort and how I'm feeling and just giving, giving, giving what I have that day. And you mentioned that you didn't look at the watch, excuse me. <coughs> Still got the COVID cough oh, it remains. That's the worst. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's all right. I'm feeling a lot better, but Good. occasionally, occasionally you see, you've seen me muting the mic quite a bit here. Yeah. I've been coughing a little bit during this. Um, but with that said, you said early in the podcast, like right when we first started, that you didn't look at your watch much at all during the marathon, which is an awesome thing to hear from somebody like, wow, like that's like what level of expertise. 
which is like wild considering the, it's been a while since you've run a marathon, right? I think of someone like like someone like Ashley Paulson. It's like Ashley Paulson can right. can get oh, away yeah. with never looking at her. Her watch <laughs> runs a marathon every three days for like yeah. five years. Like it's easy as pie. Um, also, she's super duper fast. Like there's a whole yes. wide range of paces she could run that are still like unbelievably amazing, right? Yeah. So with that said, for us mere mortals, right, it's to, to go into a race and be like, all right, I'm not going to look at my watch. Obviously, you have to have your effort level, like you mentioned, really dialed in. Like, what does marathon pace feel like? So for you, what are some of the cues you use, whether it's, you know, your stride or your breath or whatever? What is it? What does marathon pace feel like to you? And how do you how would you describe it to somebody if they were trying to figure out what marathon pace feels like to them? Oh, that's tough. Um, well, you know, uh, oh, gosh, I don't even know, Matt. I don't know how to describe it. I uh, lost my earbuds at mile two. And that's really when I decided. So in this marathon in particular, you start in a tunnel uh, pretty quickly. You you go into a tunnel and you're in the tunnel for a couple of miles and you really can't look at your watch because it's so dark. Um, so I just kind of had placed myself behind the 315 pacer, but in front of the 325 pacer, knowing that on a hot day, I was going to be somewhere in that range. No idea where. Um, but, uh, I, I was in a good position. I lost my earbud at mile two because of the humidity. Um, so I knew the rest of the race, I was just gonna just be alone with my thoughts. <laughs> what were you going to listen to Kim? What, 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 oh, what thing that you what were you going to listen to that didn't come to fruition? Oh my goodness. So many good things. I'm the worst with, with names and bands and things like this, but, um, okay. So you're a, a music 80s, person. Like all time. the eighties, all the eighties oh, things. Okay. Yeah. Good stuff. Um, okay. yeah. So, but I lost my music and, uh, knew that it was just going to be a long marathon. I really didn't expect not to be looking at my watch, but when I came out of the tunnel, I looked at my watch one time and I saw like a seven 11 pace or something. And I thought, you know what? I don't even care. Just go off of Phil. We're just going to do this. I'll check in every once in a while, but we're just going to go. Um, my first few miles were actually much slower, uh, in the high sevens and low eights. And so I just kind of knew that I would stay within the groups, you know, behind the th 715 pace or sorry, 315 pacer. And I knew as long as I didn't pass them, then I had the fitness to finish off. So, um, you know, the first half, just being very conservative, feeling really good. Uh, I talked to a couple of really cute, sweet girls that are in college. They came and just had all this energy and just yapped my ear off for about six miles. And it was fantastic. Um, so really keeping conversational pace during those miles, being able to carry on those conversations and process, you know, what people are saying, which a lot of times is just really hard to do <laughs> in, in a marathon. Um, but, you know, just held back as much as I could for the first half. And then, you know, the second half started feeling the heat, but I, I didn't really care to push it that much. I just felt good. I had kind of gotten into a good zone and felt comfortable and I just kind of stuck with it as long as I could. Um, so, I mean, I, don't, I, I wish I actually was a pro at pacing for a marathon. <laughs> seems like you're pretty, seems like you're pretty close at this point. Like, that was, that was a remarkable feat, especially considering that you didn't, it's not like you've been racking up a year's worth of long runs. Right. right. So you mentioned like you were you did have a little bit of fitness going into it, but obviously not a ton. You described what the past few years were like. So you have that this really good four month span. But at the same time, like four months 
while a good cycle, it's as you know, and as we all know, like it's really like the year leading into a marathon that really kind of gets you gets you ready, especially from a a leg toughness and strength perspective, right? So when you hit mile twenty, can you really turn over? We're not talking about fitness anymore. It's kind of this other like ephemeral strength stuff, right? That right. kind of just kind right. of like it can be hard to quantify. So when you reach that point. Right. So you're at you pass like two hours and 40 minutes or so. You're right around there. Mile 20, 22, 23. How were your legs feeling and how did that affect your pacing? Um, For me at that point, I had held back enough in the race that I felt great. Um, I never hit a wall in this marathon, and it, which was phenomenal. My uh, fueling was on point. It was perfect. Um, I felt great the entire time. Uh, the last two miles, I I found this the 315 pacer ahead of me. And so I started kind of going as quick as I could toward him. And I asked him, you know, where are you at? What, what, where, what are you going to finish in? And it goes, if you finish with me, you're at about a, you know, 314 and a half. And so he, I said, okay, great. And then I kind of flew past him and he goes, oh, well, it looks like you're going to be a 313. <laughs> so I, you know, I, I had a lot left you know, there at the end, which was great. And I was super nervous about the heat. You know, when I finished, it was only about 78 degrees. Um, it was in the eighties for, you know, very quickly after that. So we knew it was going to be hot. Um, and I just didn't want to, I didn't want to fade at the end. And to be honest, I, I, I know I could have pushed a lot more even in the heat that day. Um, but you know, for my first marathon coming back after three years, I am not going out to prove anything. I'm just here to improve and to show up and to, you know, have fun. I didn't want to kill myself out there. I just wanted to to get out there and have a good time. And that's exactly what happened. It's funny, right? Because someone's like, hey, I'm going to give you a description of someone who just ran a marathon. And their description is, all right, I didn't try to kill myself. I just tried to have fun. I didn't. I got, you know, I'm just trying to have a good time out there. You wouldn't be like, oh, that person obviously PR'd. No, you'd probably say the exact opposite or something to that effect. However, that is not what happened here, which is why the story is so wild. So with that being said, what's your recovery look like now? And you got Berlin coming up, which is obviously really exciting. So talk to me about where you are mentally and physically. Um, well, so mentally, I'm in a really good headspace. Um, just looking forward to, frankly, getting back out there and start running again. Uh, but really being mindful of being conservative uh, when I get back out there. Um, the good thing about this Jack and Jill's, it was a trail run. The whole the entire course was trail. So a lot you know, not as hard on, on your body and joints. Um, so recovery hopefully won't be quite as tough. Um, but this past week, uh, we went up and spent, spent several days at the lake with the family, uh, just enjoyed some boat Didn't time. Didn't drink the water, right? No. Oh my gosh. No, <laughs> <laughs> I've learned my lesson. <laughs> Seriously. Don't ever drink the water. Um, yeah. So, you know, just didn't care to run at all. Uh, just went and had, you know, got my mind off of running. Um, and then this next week I'm going to kind of, you know, throw in some 15 to 30 minute runs, uh, maybe even a 60 minute run near the end of the week and then kind of start slowly building up after that, but not adding in workouts for a couple more weeks. Um, I'm just looking to have a good time in Berlin. Uh, I've heard jet lag is real rough, you know, <laughs> so with the marathon right after. So, uh, I'm not, I'm not gonna have high expectations. I just want to have a good time. So frankly, my, my workouts, the next, you know, seven, 
seven weeks or six weeks or whatever, they're, they're not going to be anything fancy. I'm just going to just continue to soak up the big PR that I just had and enjoy running, uh, slow things down a little bit to make sure I can stay healthy and uh, not get injured. So are you thinking, cause I know you're, you're like, you're, you're runner and coach. I'm talking to the, I'm talking to Kimberly's <laughs> coach right now and her, and, and Kimberly the runner, which is exciting. Um, are you thinking sticking around, like kind of like when you start doing workouts, sticking around marathon pace, half marathon pace, you can throw in some, some more speed stuff and some fart licks or what are, what are some of the just generally things that you want to incorporate in this kind of condensed period between races? So I am going to throw in some marathon pace miles and uh, probably some pretty, you know, maybe like a two by three, you know, at a half marathon pace workout, those kinds of things. But I am going to slow down my goal marathon pace just so that my paces overall are slower, um, probably significantly. Um, you know, I'm really excited to do Berlin and to feel good during that that race. But after that, I want to kind of focus on 5K, 10K you know, training up, up before I start training for Boston of next year. Um, and so I, I just want to stay healthy. So just slowing paces down a significant amount. Well, beyond all my excitement for you and the race that you had, I'm just so excited for you from a health perspective that you hopefully, hopefully knocking on wood, you all heard that, that you have all of this behind you. And um, it's just, it's just so, so wonderful to see. And thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing all of it with us. Yeah. Thank you so much, Matt. I really appreciate it. Kimberly, thank you so much for coming on the show again. Who doesn't love this woman? She is so much fun, so insightful, and gave a really frank and earnest assessment of her health issues while also being optimistic about the future, which can be so difficult to do. Um, it's just a, it's, it's, it's a blessing to see her doing well, and I hope that you are doing well as well. So thank you so much for listening. And before you get going, remember, the Richmond Marathon, the Allianz Richmond Marathon. If you haven't signed up for a race yet, a marathon yet this fall, go check them out. I can't recommend this race strongly enough. It is just truly remarkable. It's so easy to see why people have been raving about this course and this race for years. And hey, the half marathon, right? That's the thing, right? If you're if you're if you're not if you don't have a marathon on the calendar, a lot of us, if we're running the normal two, you know, 90 minutes to two hour uh, long run on the weekends, we can just jump into a half at any point. Go check that out. And you also got the 8K as well. Also in Richmond, no free ads, but just want to say Kira D'Amato has a brand new running store right in Richmond. Might want to check that out. If you're in town, Kira doesn't even know I'm saying that, but it's true. She's, it's about to open. I think it's opening this weekend. So go check that out. So richmondmarathon.org, code Rambling Runner at checkout for the $10 discount. Thank you so much for listening and happy running. This has been a production of Rambling Runner Podcast. This podcast is produced by David Margetti of InPost Media. Thank you to Meta P for the music. His song, Righteous Path, featuring Rex Mayhem and Chip Fu is produced by Symphonic Bang. Enterprising in my surroundings, I'm finding the quietest estates these days. This representation of storm brewing, amazed that the focus remains the vocal focal point of my change. I'm trying to show this industry I got.